what we're doing for our agents is really leaning into them, right? Because I think if we don't, a lot of them are going to have some challenges in the fourth and first quarter as the market has changed. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui with a quick commercial break, but you guys have been hearing these ads follow-up boss, right? They've been one of our longest standing sponsors of the podcast. And heck, most of you guys actually use follow-up boss. You've heard from so many of our interviews when we're asking people, what is your favorite CRM? Follow-up boss is by far the most trusted picked CRM that we hear from people that we're interviewing. You know, follow-up is huge. As an investor, there are so many times recently that we reached out one extra time to somebody that two months ago said they thought about selling us the house. And by just following up again, they said, yes, I'm ready to sell today. And they didn't know us from anybody. They were gonna say yes to the next person that reached out. And it was the fourth or the fifth time that we reached out to them. So follow-up is important as an agent, as an investor, as everything. You know, follow-up boss gets you and your team totally organized. Contacts leads all in one place. They have like 250 integrations to all the other things out there for like texting phones, voicemails, all the other products that are out there. It helps you convert leads to deals and then you decide how you want to expand and exactly when that happens for your business. So tons of guests in here. Here's a couple of our guests saying what they like about Follow Up Boss. I think Follow Up Boss gives you the most integrations that are simple and it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. Also, before I forget, Follow Up Boss is hosting FubCon. Yes, FubCon 2022. It's an annual event hosted by Follow Up Boss the leading CRM in the real estate industry. The three-day event is packed with actionable tips, strategies that agents can use to double their listings, convert more buyers, and create systems that their agents love using. And right now, as the market gets tougher, a conference like this is exactly the thing you need. The keynote speakers are some of the most iconic agents in the business, and they're sure to inspire and motivate attendees. In addition to educational sessions, there'll be plenty of networking opportunities with some of the industry's brightest real estate professionals. FubCon is a perfect opportunity to learn and take your business to the next level. I hope you check it out. Real estate rock stars. Hey, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Today I am hosting a, a conversation with my good friend, Nate Martinez. You know, as most of you listeners know, the over the last, since May, I have had a lot of guest hosts helping me out on here. This is probably only my fourth or fifth interview I've done uh, since May, since my hiatus of splitting time up in Fayetteville, but I was lucky enough to be hanging out with Nate uh, about a week ago in Croatia. We were with a bunch of guys. We were on this yacht going up the Adriatic Sea, just having a, an awesome couple weeks of our life. And we were talking about real estate and talking about our book. And I said, Nate, I really need to get you on the podcast. So Nate, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I should say welcome back to the show, right? You said Pat interviewed you on here. A long yeah, time many ago. Months ago. I'm gonna figure out what dude, this is crazy. Episode seventy-four was <laughs> Nate Martinez. Episode seventy-four in August thirteenth, twenty fourteen. Pat interviewed Nate. We have over a thousand episodes now. And the and Nate was in the first seventy-four episodes. So Nate, you've been an agent for a long time. When did you become a real estate agent? Yeah, we're on 36 years, uh, loving it ever since. Yeah, so the, have you always been an agent out in Phoenix? Yeah, always in Phoenix, Phoenix metropolitan area, never switched markets. Yeah, the um, you actually did, we, we actually did some deals together a few years ago. 
out yeah, there. Yeah, back in the REO days, yeah. Yeah, we, we had some, did some REO clips. stuff. I bought I bought some pool stuff. I'm, I'm going to say that was, that was probably around the time you were on the podcast the first time. The, yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, we had met through we had met through GoBundance. I had some Phoenix deals, and you and your whole family out there got to help me out. So, so way back in many moons when you got into real estate out out there, what made you want to get into real estate? Uh, funny story. There was a guy dating my sister in law, and he came by. To, she was living with us for a while, and he came by to pick her up in a brand new two eighty Z. This is going back. Right? This is nineteen eighty six, and. The guy was dressed sharp. He had ostrich skin boots, nice Jordache jeans. He had the total package, if you will. And I asked him, what do you do? And he goes, I sell real estate. And uh, I came from humble beginnings. And to see somebody like this so put together at a young age, the very next day, I, oh, you know what? I asked him, I go, how much money did you make in real estate? This was August. And again, you got to understand, it was 1986. He said he made $86,000 a year to date. And I was like, Wow. So the next day, I opened up the paper, answered an ad for a real estate company, and kind of the rest is history from there. But that was my inspiration. Yeah, the, I love I love those stories. It's funny when you think back. So 1986, not only was eighty six thousand dollars a lot of money, but it was like, but what were interest rates back then? Remember, they were probably around twelve. Yeah, right around twelve, if I remember right. I, rem I remember when uh, we had just started looking at real estate investing. With my dad, he was talking to me in the late nineties and he was explaining like, Well, with interest rates being seven to eight percent, this is how you can do a quick calculation of what your monthly payment's gonna be. And he was kinda like, If it's if for every hundred thousand dollars, it's gonna be just multiply that by seven and a half. So your payment's gonna be seven hundred and fifty dollars a month, but it was always based on that seven or eight percent and now it's been flying. So so you got into real estate way back then, you got it be you know, I was flying in a I was flying with my kids maybe a month or two ago. And this guy, this guy comes up to me and he asks me, he goes, why would you, uh, how do you justify your kids flying with you in first class? And I remember just kind of being, I was a little taken back by it. So I talked to him for a few minutes and then his, but then his next questions were, what do you do for a living then? Like if, <laughs> if that's okay, then, then, then what do you do for a living? And, uh, and yeah, and I said, real estate, and who knows? Maybe, maybe he went and got his license. Maybe he's listening now. Um, to different stuff like that. So as you think back, uh, you've been an agent for six, or how many, 36 how many years. years, 36 years. What are some things that you wish you would have known when you first got started or that you think agents should know when they first get started down? You know, the, well, the yeah, one of them is, you know, our elders in, in go abundance is probably a really good lesson. I, I was in the same spot with Dave and, and, uh, Pat when they first kind of connected on accountability. And those two guys, having an accountability partner is what I'm talking about. Those two guys went at it. My accountability partner was a lady happened to be sitting next to me in the same conference. And she kind of took it lightly, and I guess so did I. So whenever we see each other, we just ask each other how we're doing. And that was about as much as our accountability. Well, you know, Dave and Pat's story, they kept each other accountable every single day for years. And both, you know, pretty much retired from the real estate space and, and became serial entrepreneurs. I wish I would have had an accountability partner and took it serious early on, you know, as far as other lessons along the way, uh, I've always been into education since I got my license. You know, I made it out of high school. I did six months of college. That was about all the education I had. And then I was in the construction field. Uh, so when I got into real estate, I had, I started looking around and there was really nobody there to train me. There was no podcast, right? Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, I went to a real estate training class and I met a gentleman that, uh, the first class I ever went to became a life lifelong mentor of mine and, uh, really kind of opened up my eyes, Aaron. He, he represented to me what a father should be. You know, he was older than me. I never had a dad, uh, never had a dad growing up, never had any buddy guiding me, if you will. And Howard is one of those guys that even though he was guiding many people, I kind of latched on to him. And so a mentor would probably be a, a very important thing to look for in your real estate career. So uh, Howard changed my life and, you know, opened up my eyes to other like-minded people. I met Pat way back then through Howard. And we were involved in a, a group called Star Power. And both Pat and I, and that's where Dave 
met Pat, and it kind of all mushroomed from there. And Tim Rhodes, too. I heard that part of your story before. Like, I didn't realize that you guys were all hanging out at that same conference because, yes, that was a big moment in their lives where they met and they became, and it was like choosing an accountability partner. What a trip about life, too, right? Like, Like, any little choice that you make at any time, you have no idea how profound the impact or not. Like, these little choices can become like picking the right partner, you know, picking those different things. So when you tell people find an accountability partner and take it serious, you know, I think most of our listeners have no idea what that means. Right. So the, so if you, so if you have an accountability partner and you're taking it serious, what would, what would you do with that accountability partner? What, what does that really mean? If someone was going to go find somebody, what advice would you give them on how they should do that? Well, you know, I think you established some, some guidelines, you know, apparently we didn't establish guidelines with my accountability partner back in 1996. Uh, and, and we kind of just joked it off, right? And, and the speaker that, that was speaking at the time was a gentleman by the name of Dr. Fred Gross, who's also been a, uh, on this show way back in the yeah. 70s, probably. And, uh, and that was, I think, Pat and uh, Dave's kind of mentor, I think, at, at that time. But uh, I think Dave and, and Pat established guidelines on how they were going to keep each other accountable. And I think that'd be very important today to really have some guidelines uh, like we do in GoBundance. I mean, you know, when you can have somebody call you out on your bullshit, hope I could say that, you know, yeah. uh, it's important, you know, and uh, you, know, you can go through life and nobody ever call you out. Maybe your spouse would, but, you know, having another person that has similar interest that you guys can communicate, uh, you know, and I think Dave and Pat text each other every single day, and probably back in the beeper days, <laughs> and uh, uh, and they kept in communication and they pushed each other to higher levels. And I think with Go Abundance, you know, our other tribe that we're involved in, we um, we have accountability pods, if you will. So we have a group of men that that come together on a weekly basis, and and you know, there's always somebody there. Uh, you know, sometimes we. Um, what am I trying to think here? Maybe we don't believe in a concept or maybe we're, we say we want to do something. Uh, it's like, you know, right away it's, okay, when are you going to do that by, uh, you know, how do you want us to hold you accountable? And, you know, I think something along those lines, you know, and you could probably add to that, Aaron, you've been in the same type of groups as well. Yeah. It's um, one of the things that I like about accountability and especially we just had two weeks together in a big group and, um, so some things that happens is somebody says, hey, this is a goal of mine. I don't want to do this anymore, and it would help me if you encouraged me not to. When I do, like, triathlons, right, like, the reason I tell people I'm going to do it is because there's going to be plenty of moments I'm going to want to quit. But if I told a bunch of people I was going to do it, there's a much better chance that I'm not going to quit. a much better chance I'm going to go through with it uh, because of that. Or when you're sharing your goals with somebody. So finding finding somebody out there. So if you're new in real estate or you've been around in real estate for a long time, you know, when I first joined joined my first mastermind, it was the first time I felt like I wasn't alone. Like I could actually share with somebody else. And entrepreneurship and real estate and like being your own boss can be a very lonely road when you're doing it on your own. But if you can find at least one other person somewhere that you can have these conversations with and you can say, hey, we're going to be honest with each other all the time. We're going to be able to share the wins. I don't want to... I don't want to have a big win where, hey, I made $100,000 on something and feel like I can't tell you. But if I also have a big loss and I feel like I really screwed up, I want to be able to tell you that too. And, you know, I couldn't always have those conversations with other parents at my kid's school and things like that. So being able to have somebody that you can have these honest, important conversations with. And I also think it's important, like, yes, yeah, somebody shares their goal and they say, hey, I'm going to make, my goal is to make $50,000 a month. And we don't just say, hey, that's a cool goal right on. We say, well, how are you going to do that? Is that realistic? What's your plan? And then next month we follow back up and say, so your plan was by this month you were going to do it. Did you? Are you? Are you really going to follow that goal of yours? And it's just amazing. And I and I go back to those triathlons as that example. Or, you know, when I tell somebody I'm going to do something, it increases the chance I'm going to do it. And if they remind me of it, it increases the chance I'm going to do it. And so I like to tell people as often as possible, this is my goal. This is my goal. This is my goal. And with those accountability partners, I think that's a that's a good one. What was your what, what was your business like last year 
out in Phoenix. So the how many people are, are part of your, your team or your office? How much volume were you doing? Um, we'll talk about like 2021 first, and then we'll get into 2022 and kind of what might be changing. Okay. Hey, before I get to that, I, I just want to share. I just came back from a coaching conference. So we get back from Croatia, spend a few days with the family. I go to Salt Lake for three days, and then I'm up here in Flagstaff, and I'll go back to Phoenix. But I was on a cab ride back after a coaching conference with another coach, and I started coaching this person on this little 15-minute cab ride, and they had a limiting belief. And uh, I, I challenged her on this limiting belief, and I said, when are you going to solve that by? She goes, 30 days. And I said, okay, what's going to be the pain if you don't do it? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's election season. I said, the party that you don't represent, why don't you send them a check for $5,000? the party that you despise, if you will. And she let me know who she despised. And I said, you write a check for them on November 8th if you don't get this task done by November 3rd. And I think I motivated her, and I'm going to keep her accountable to that. You know, So sometimes when you having accountability, it could be a one-off accountability with somebody you know. And again, with her, I had to put some pain in it because I knew she probably wouldn't rise to the occasion. But... Uh, What's my business been like? Uh, last year was probably the best year in real estate. We we grossed about $2.4 million in GCI. Uh, I have a team of eight. Our average price last year was 650000 which was a couple hundred thousand dollars higher than the average for the Phoenix metropolitan area. We're actually in the Northwest Valley, Glendale, Peoria, Surprise. That's where I own real estate offices. And... Uh, um, even though I own a real estate office, I run a team and operate a team and, uh, I have my son that I'm grooming to, to manage the team. And he kind of manages the entire team except for his sister and his stepmother, you know, and there's probably reasons for that, right? Yeah. I bet, uh, I bet there's reasons that might not work. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's been a good ride in, in over the last few years, I've been transitioning and taking more steps back and letting the team step forward. And uh, probably for the first time in my 36-year career, the majority of the income that came back to me was, was driven by the team members, right? So, you know, five, six, seven years ago, I might have done 80%, 90% of the production. And, you know, each year I'm taking another step back and allowing the team to grow. Uh, as far as a real estate company, we have 130 agents. We have three locations. And uh, that's pretty much ran by another group, 100% delegated out, except for a couple of leadership meetings I have and, you know, being visible within the company. Um, I have a CEO, uh, a broker, CFO, all, all the parts that run the real estate company, as well as, a you know, I'm a partner in a title company and I own a mortgage franchise as well. So, but all those are ran independently. I mean, I think you come in and when we were in Croatia, I wasn't dialed into work. It was it was relaxing two weeks away, and I pretty much took advantage of that. And I felt good that the my real estate team was running, the Remax offices were running, the mortgage company was running, and the title always runs without me. So uh, it was really nice to just be able to to get away, and and that's what you know having a team is right. It's to give you some freedom and some leverage. I was so jealous in those moments when we were out there because we were different guys were talking about, you know, how much they had to check in or didn't have to check in while we were on the other side of the world, you know, and my business is, you know, and, and, and three years ago I was working, you know, maybe an hour a day. And when we went to like Africa or Japan, I didn't have to work. My company and my teams, my businesses were doing everything. And a couple of years ago, you know, I guess beginning of 2021, I saw kind of these big opportunities on the horizon and I and I dove into like doing a lot of heavy work myself and like growing the team and hiring and and yeah, and I found myself in Croatia going, I am having to call in and email in way too often right now. And it was remembering what it was like a few years ago when we went on some trips together where I didn't have to do that and then seeing you now with your business that you've set up where you're like, I haven't talked to anybody in the office in a week and that feels pretty good. And as I left, that was one of my new goals 
to make sure that within the next couple months I got back to being able to live life and run the businesses the way you do. You know, with Maddie getting sick back in May, that helped inspire me and push me to start slowing down some of my businesses and to start pulling back from some of them. But even so, like without that, I can't even imagine, without making that change, there's no way I could have done Croatia because before Maddie got sick, I was definitely working way too much because me cut me after cutting way back, I'm still too much into that. And I bet there's a lot of agents out there going through that right now. And they're hearing you talk about that. And there's like, so a lot of agents say like, Hey, I want to start running a team or I want to start running an office. And there's some excitement and some fear in that. And there's some fear that they have when they say, Hey, if I stop doing the volume and my team starts doing the volume, what if they leave and go somewhere else? What if they don't do as good of a job? What if I make less money and a lead comes in and they're having to choose between keeping it themselves or giving it to one of their team members? Talk about those first few years of doing that. Like what advice would you have for them? What was that transition like? What made you do the transition? Like what worked, what didn't? Just like a little crash course and like oh. in, in making that because it's a scary thing. But when you talk about being in Croatia for two weeks, not taking a call and still making money, that's an exciting thing. But when you're first making that transition, there's so much confusion. I know my, I know a few people in particular that need a, that'll be listening to this. Well, you know, let's rewind 30 years, okay? 30 years through Star Power, I started hearing about these great uh, teams around the country, you know, and, and, you know, that's where I started plugging into podcasts, but they were different, right? They were a cassette tape, and we get one a month, right? And it was interviewing a team or a team leader. And so that's kind of how I started to learn. But I think some lessons early on, uh, and again, so I've been a team owner for, for 30 years. I've had a lot of people come through my team and that's gonna happen, right? That's just gonna happen. And some of the first people that left my team, I was offended. I was like, how could they? I, I poured my life and soul into, into making you who you were, right? I didn't make them, they just, I guided them. But I was, I was upset in the beginning with, with a few people. And, uh, but I started to learn and then I started to watch and then I started to understand what my gift was. And just like the gift Howard gave me back in 1986, when I went to that seminar about, you know, learning and giving, right. Uh, he gave me a gift and then I became the mentor to these people while they were on the team. And they, I have, I have people today that have been on my team that own real estate companies in Phoenix. Right. And one of them just had a birthday the other day. I reached out to wish my happy birthday. And so I celebrate it now because people will come, Aaron, and they will leave your team. Having those relationships, I, I remember when one of my guys was going to literally leave. He left my team. And the, the cool part was when people would leave my team, they would just stay with my real estate company. So it was a win win. So I helped train a very good agent, or they were building the team under them. And then when they would leave the company, I was like, it was that loss again, right? Like when I lost somebody as a, a, a team member uh, to a full agent, in the beginning I had sorrow. Then when I left somebody, or somebody left that was an agent on my team that built a team that had the same dream I did was to be a business owner and open his own business, at first it hurt, right? And it was like, and... And when you have a real estate company and you help build a team and all of a sudden one day a team of 10 leave your organization, that doesn't feel good, right? Yeah. But again, with knowledge and uh, wisdom, I guess, right, this gray hair, I haven't shaved since I went to Croatia. You know, I look a little <laughs> rough. I got one more week of vacation next week. And uh, when he left, now I celebrate, you know, I've been to his office. Now he's bought an office building. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it makes you feel good to know that you were part of that organization's growth. Right. And, uh, and, and I think that's the gift that I've been given because since I started in real estate there and I was in construction and I got my license and I was part time. And just somehow it worked out for me. You know, I sold like 30 houses my first year where I was pouring concrete 40 to 60 hours a week. And I didn't have a mentor at that time. But I did. I found some guy and I modeled him. He was selling uh, HUD and VA repossessed homes. 
and we'd get a list every Tuesday. And I met this guy at the copy machine at like eight o'clock at night because he had a real job and he had a real estate license. So I met him at the copy machine and we talked. He goes, he goes, well, I have a full-time job, but this is what I do because these houses are all vacant. And every week there's an auction and every week, uh, you know, it was cool because people had to act. And back then, Aaron, they paid a 6% Cobra to bring a buyer in for VA and FHA. So I did that for the first couple of years before I even quit my construction job. But, you know, so going fast forward to today, I look at every opportunity to help someone grow their real estate business, right? I'm an open door. If somebody calls me up and says, hey, Nate, you have time for coffee? Yes, you know. I will, I will always make time for somebody to help them grow their business. I hope that answers the, the, yeah. the question about somebody. I think it's a, it's a mindset. It's a mindset of like this, um, like you're investing into these people and you're inve like, and I think when we first invest, we hope for money to come back. We hope that by spending money and time on somebody, that investment is going to pay dividends back to us. And, and sometimes it will. And sometimes it will, and sometimes it will, and it'll totally exceed. But I think one of the things that you said is sometimes you're going to invest in somebody, and maybe it doesn't pay you back financially. But then when you get to see them, you know, go live their life, you kind of get to be proud that you're a part of their story and go like, hey, maybe, like, maybe I didn't get, maybe I helped them and maybe I didn't get rich, but maybe they're going to have a better life. It is like this, like, I don't know, this genuine, like, kind of human it's changing the, the brokerage or team guide model the thinking about dollars and cents to saying it, it's about helping people and truly like sometimes if they leave you you did you, you still help them and being able to um you know not get as frustrated about it i think that's uh i think that's a cool spin to it I've, like i said i've had a, a lot of conversations with people lately that are that are thinking about growing or trying to grow or having these growing pains with it and, you know, and feeling like agents aren't appreciating it and things like that. And it's just a, it's a battle. So let, let's talk about the market right now out in Phoenix. So it was back in May, you guys held like 4,000 listings on the market in the greater Phoenix area. Now Phoenix is giant. I lived in Phoenix for like, I think I've told you like six months. I lived there for six months years ago. My sister still lives there. We visit there all the time. And when I lived when I lived out there, I was I was working in a UPS. I was loading UPS boxes from box trucks from ten at night to like four in the morning. It was the most horrific job I've ever had. And we had Pretty to do it in how hot it was. Yeah, yeah, it was it was just like this crazy miserable time. But the but Phoenix is like it's not just like one little spot. You could drive for like four hours, maybe <laughs> not that, but you could but like and never really see a city start or stop. It's just like, it's just this big expanse. So the greater Phoenix area was uh, 4,000 listings back in like May, 4,000 something. And I just saw a stat that it's over 20,000 listings out there right now. And way back in 06, 07, 08, when the housing market first crashed, Phoenix, Arizona, Las Vegas, Sacramento, and LA, right? These kind of West Coast big cities were some of the first to get hit hard with housing prices, with inventories to go up, with foreclosures and things like that. So inventory's gone way up out there. What's happening in the market? What are people feeling like? And what advice are you giving your agents? You've been through five cycles or so, like, and you've seen it all. Like, what advice are you giving, and what's it feel like? Well, you know, it, it's it, it it's interesting. Okay. So there's been two two big cycles that I could probably relate to. So with uh, you know with years under your belt, you have to look back, right, for wisdom. So we opened up our real estate office on 9-11-2001. We were having our first meeting when people were crying. And I couldn't understand why the waitress was crying. I understood later that day. So all the, and there was the first day I had like 10 recruits coming over and none of the 10 came because the business changed. Right. And then the next thing came was the crash. Right. Uh, I used to carry about a hundred listings, sell about 300 houses a year. And all of a sudden my business partner that owned the franchise with me, he, he wanted to get back into the REO stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. I did a little bit of that in early nineties. Next thing you know, I had zero inventory and he had a hundred listings and they were all bank owned. 
And uh, so I, I actually helped uh, Pat get a uh, Freddie Mac account, you know, because yeah. I had the Freddie Mac connection later on. So I built a business based on the market. You have to adapt. So then the pandemic hit. When the pandemic hit, my mind went back to 2007, 2008, and what happened. And I saw a lot of real estate companies go out of business, a lot of realtors go out of business. And I started thinking that's what was going to happen in the pandemic. The opposite happened, right? We got busy. It was crazy. Yeah. You know, the market went crazy. We were selling houses. I couldn't even believe it, Aaron. All of a sudden, we, had, we put a house up for sale, and it would sell for 100000 over list. In the 35 years prior, never anything like that. You know, maybe five, ten, fifteen thousand or something. In the California and the, the Washington buyers were coming in because they were experiencing that. And they experienced it before we did. Okay. So we had to learn and we created systems on how to handle getting 30 offers in a in a weekend on a listing. Just like we had and I had that history back in the REO days because we used to get like 30 offers on a listing back then. So those systems were easy to, to build. Then it changed, right? And it was actually March was actually when we were at the low point of 4,400 list, active listings. And then it slowly just started to change. And that's as interest rates were going up, some of the big investors that were pulling out like Blackstone and different you know, investors that were buying houses sight unseen uh, started to slow their purchase. And I think once the big investors started to pull out of Phoenix, that's when things started to change. With interest rates climbing, we almost, it almost came to a standstill. I mean, we were still selling, you know, 6,000 homes a month, but it wasn't nine to 10,000 homes a month. And what we've noticed, there was almost this, feeling like we were starting to the pandemic, the fear, what nobody knew what was going on with the pandemic. And we started kind of freaking out a little bit. We're starting to see that what we've seen that for the last three months of the Phoenix market where everybody's kind of panicking, you know, um, you know, we've taken deep breath. Uh, I think what we're doing today is we're really focusing in on the fundamental basics, right? We're, we're trying to change language on how to communicate. Because if you were a buyer, Aaron, a first-time buyer, second-time buyer, and you bought a house in December, the rates were 3% or under. Yeah. You know, fast forward today, we're talking 7%, <laughs> just like your dad was talking to you years ago. It's like half and, the house. And, and I believe the number is that three-quarters of the realtors in America have never seen rates above 5%. Think about that. We haven't had 5% money since 2008, I believe it is. So, so there's the shift. What we're doing in our firm, and uh, we started, I had to look at it, and I go, some of our agents are fairly young. They have never seen anything but an escalating market. So I decided to create some pods, just like we do in GoBundance. And, and I'm actually going to lead those pods. This is where I'm kind of leaning back into the, the REMAX offices again, more for my leadership and training and coaching. I'm, uh, I've taken uh, pods. We went from six. I think I'm going to move it to eight. Uh, I don't know if it was you that on the boat. Somebody told me about a book called Sticky Church. The, that, somebody else mentioned it. So I, I yeah. wasn't on the first read it, but I started looking at it too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I read I, that. I, I was the one that told us about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they kind of use it in GoBundance, right? So uh, I listened to that on the way up here from Phoenix to Flag this morning. Uh, and they talk about, you know, in church, they do small groups, right? And they said usually eight couples is a good group. Less than that's, you know, you know, you miss somebody. It kind of messes the uh, uh, the grouping up a little bit. So I was going to do groups of six. Now, after listening to this book, I'm going to move it up to eight. But I'm going to mentor uh, every Monday. I'm going to spend a half an hour with it with these different pods, just kind of more of an accountability pod and uh, and teaching and and sharing uh, accountability with them because. We need to get back to the basic fundamentals, you know, and, uh, you know, you and I talked a little bit about the book that, that Sarah and I wrote that we launched it last year in a time when the market was just on a frenzy. Nobody needed to stop and read a book. You didn't have time to do anything but, you know, run your buyer around or look at offers. 
So with that, you know, I thought we'll go back to the principles of the book we wrote, very, very basic. And let's start implementing that into our agents, into the company. And uh, so that's, I think what we're doing for our agents is really leaning into them, right? Because I think if we don't, a lot of them are gonna have some challenges in the fourth and first quarter as the market has changed. Yeah. You know, I think the, I think the advice right now of getting back to the basics and the fundamentals is great advice for everyone in real estate out there. I mean, if 75% of agents haven't seen rates above 5%, that means 75% of agents really have only seen an increasing market, Mm -hmm. right? They've only ever seen it to where, you know, two, three months of inventory max was out there and overall there was always going to be a buyer or seller for a house and if a house stayed on the market longer than 30 days something was just really really wrong and the bummer about a three four five month inventory market is you could have a perfect house at a perfect price and it might take three or four months to get the offer right like and and you're trying to not be scared and you're trying to not be nervous but part of those fundamentals are like going back and and actually like doing the hard work and doing the hard work that agents need to be doing yeah we have a we have a listing in northern austin it's it's a very unique listing it's on some acreage it's a smaller house on some acreage um you know it's by this private airport it's in this really expensive area but it's just this like really unique product where it's really only perfect for like a dozen families and so now anybody that actually sees the house, I'm having to remind our listing agent on that, that they need to get really, really active. You know, if somebody's asked us for the disclosures and they've asked us for extra information and then they drop off, it's about telling the agent like, no, call them back. Call them back now and seeing like, what is stopping them from buying this home, right? So it was, it, they're, cause they're one of only a few people that this was a good neighborhood, good house, good because it is such a unique product. I said, so you need to call them and see whatever is the thing that's stopping them, we'll find a way to solve it. But you gotta have the conversation to go, why aren't you buying this thing now? Is it affordability? Is it interest rates? Can we buy down the rates? Is it they don't like the kitchen? Can we build them a new kitchen? I mean, it is a buyer's market right now. And, and it's like, do we need to build them a new kitchen? Do they need different color appliances? Do they not like the granite that we put in? Um, you know, what is it? And what, what can we do to actually get this deal done? And that's hard work. Like the fundamentals of being an agent is actually really, really hard work. And I've heard a lot of agents in the Phoenix area recently talking about these, you know, sellers offering bought down rates, offering this like two, one, or it's actually like a two and a half percent loan for the first year, three and a half percent the second year. And then it goes in now. That's also a sign of the times that probably in a good year or two, we might be in worse times than we thought. I remember back in 06 and when houses weren't selling, we started doing like the rate buy downs as builders. We'd be like, your first year is going to be a 1% interest rate. Back then rates were five or whatever. So you got to be a little bit nervous, but fundamental. So let's, let's dig in. We got a few more minutes. And, and the biggest reason I wanted to have you on here was because as you were talking about your book, I was thinking that sounds perfect for some of our, our listeners right now. So what are some of the fundamentals on there? What's your book called? And what's, what is, what are the values that someone is going to get if they, if they go buy it? Okay. Well, it's easy read, uh, for, for one, uh, the name of the book is eight ways to dominate any real estate market. And we really focus on just some simple key things, you know, uh, well, you know, a, a couple of things is, you know, basically where, how, who, and how do you market, right? So air proximity, right? When we were on that boat for, for two weeks, you know, or in Croatia for two weeks, we were proximity. I mean, there's some deals that will happen just out of the people that are there. Somebody might have something going, somebody's going to invest in it. So the same thing in, in real estate, but on a real simple way is we focus on, on teaching people to get a list of the top 50 people that they know that trust them and that would, possibly refer them a transaction in a year. Okay. And, uh, you know, people that I didn't create this idea, but I borrowed it. It's called the top 50 program. And when you have a top 50 list, these are your VIPs, you know, Aaron, I've had the great pleasure of selling, you know, over 6,000 homes in my career. 
there's no way I can have a relationship with those people that are really meaningful because, you know, some of them were 36 years ago, right? But yeah. what I have found is I have generational cells and the people that I've kept in touch with send me referrals, right? Just like when you, you sent me referrals, we were proximity and, and go abundance. We met, oh, you're in Phoenix. I got properties and you gave me an opportunity. So being focused on this top 50 group, and, and I like to look at it like, if you remember going to the club in the 70s, there was always a line and the people that could out or 80s, 90s, even 2000s, right? Uh, you know, to get to the front of the line is, is the key. And so you want somebody to open up and let you in. And that's how you treat these top 50 people in your life where you're constantly just calling them up, communicating, maybe grabbing a coffee, maybe grabbing lunch, knowing what interests them. So if they're you know, like, a, I got a Diamondback shirt on today. If they like Diamondbacks, you'd buy them to a game or send them some tickets or basketball or, or a concert, whatever it may be. You know everything about these 50 people that you can lean into. And again, it's not that expensive. And you're not trying to market to thousands of people you don't know, right? You're not You're not buying online leads where you have to get 200 leads in the book i coined the term it was called hopium and it's basically like putting a needle into your arm when you're buying these internet leads hoping you're going to get a return that's what people do right They're like oh i'm going to spend my money over here to see if i get a return and they find out that's a whole nother way of earning a living so top 50 is one one of the things that really came into my life and i don't know where it originated because it's been around for a while but it's just basically having a perfect week, you know, being able to block out hours in your day and working on those items before. And I learned this, you know, through my coach, you know, I was having coaches around you. So my, my business coach was Burl Workman and he, you know, he pounded me on the perfect week and what to do. Quit working with as many buyers, focus your time and effort to work on your business. And so today, if you look at my schedule, it's very regimented, right? I have, you know, the different meetings I have each day, every week, you know, there are meetings. Everything happens on the same time, the same rotation, very simple. And you create boundaries on when and how to work with people. That one thing in, in, in my life, like I told you, I had the best year of my life, but I think in the real estate space, I probably spent less than 20 hours a week working in real estate. And, you know, every Friday I golf, we have this house up here in Flagstaff. That's kind of the goal to get up here as much as possible. And we'd probably be up here more if, if Mila wasn't doing hockey and softball and all the things back in the Valley, you know, but yeah. having, you know, a perfect week set up or what we call in the book an intentional week, because nobody's perfect. Right. Those are a couple things that, that we, you know, we share, you know, uh, accountability, you know, I mean, we know GoBundance is a big accountability group, but accountability equals love, right? It's about, you know, you're really trying to help your team, keeping them accountable to their goals, not necessarily yours. You want to help people achieve and exceed what they're looking for in life. And if you do that enough, I mean, it all works out for everybody. You help if you help people achieve their goals in their life. Yeah, that's a that's a good it's a good reminder of something that I I used to do with my team and I used to do with my employees and team members and things like that and I haven't been doing as much, you know. And so as I try to redo my plan of going from busy being in the weeds to to reorganizing some stuff and trusting more team members to do different things, I hope it helps me to focus on that. To remember, if we're raising people up to accomplish their dreams. Then they also want to run through brick walls for you when you're helping people accomplish their stuff. So the book, Eight Ways to Dominate Any Real Estate Market by Nate Martinez and Sarah Michelle Bliss. I found it on Amazon. The I'm going to go ahead and get a copy of that. Listeners, I hope you guys do too. You know, um, Nate and I only got to talk today for 45 minutes, right, about what's going on out there. But Nate has seen a lot of different markets, you know, very experienced. And, and what's awesome is we get to have a lot of fun and a lot of adventures together. And I found myself, you know, there was, there was two guys on our trip last week and in my journal and my, and my notes when I was leaving, I said, I want to be more like Nate and I want to be more like Kurt. 
because of the balance that they have in their businesses and their lives right now are what all of us should strive for. And so that's why I wanted to have Nate on here today for him to share just a piece of of his advice with you guys. But I really want to encourage you guys to, you know, spend the 10 bucks, get the book, spend a, spend a few hours reading it, um, especially because right now, you know, Nate's advice of what do we do in a weird market like this? We focus on the fundamentals and take it from a guy like Nate that has seen a whole bunch of different markets. So I've seen I've seen some crazy markets, right? Like I got into real estate in 05 and my dad was a developer in the 80s and I got to see what it was like to be doing well as a developer and then lose it all, right? And then, and then the projects that were working out and high interest rates to crash inflation that then crushed developers and crushed the economy. And then I've seen housing market, you know, so I've seen some stuff, so there gets my advice and then Nate's been doing it twice as long as I have. So Nate, the, uh, this was awesome. It was just, again, it was just fun to see the last couple of weeks and, and getting to chat with on here. Any last final thoughts and then how should, and then how can people reach out to you? Cause I know they can get your book. So ways to dominate any real estate market, eight ways to dominate any real estate market. Uh, they're going to get your book, but if they want to reach out to you for extra questions, there's probably some people in Phoenix that want to learn more about these pods that you're doing for, for your offices. What's, you know, final thoughts and best ways for people to find you. Okay, you know, a, a final thought. One of the things I want to do is, is is do a shout out to Sarah. Sarah, Sarah was a girl that that came to our office twenty five plus years ago, and uh, she was wearing a red dress, right? And she wanted to join my team. I didn't have a spot for my team, and, and Sarah didn't go away. Sarah's been a lifelong friend. I, I look at her as a sister, uh, and she's the one that you know wrote the book with me. And while we were writing the book we realized there needs to be another guide, right? I, I, I told Sarah, I go, we, we need a journal. So so we did create a journal, and a shameless plug. It's like the Bible, right? Oh, awesome. This is a whole year journal that is all based around real estate. And this one's uh, titled, Your Real Estate Journey to Abundance. And, and so, you know, I think the basics, and that's what that journal's about. That's what we're running through our office right now, is taking people through that daily journal and, you know, I, some of the stuff came from Hal Alrod, right, and how you start your miracle morning, you know. And it's just stuff that we've kind of taken that we've used in our life and we just are putting back out there for people to utilize. Uh, I think people need something like this, this journey, this guidebook, if you will, to get through this next year or two in real estate because it's going to be difficult. Again, having right people in your life, Aaron, one of the reasons I can take off, and I don't expect anybody to be able to have a team and do what I'm doing with travel and stuff and, and not being able to check in with work. I just have been blessed by building an amazing team. Sarah's been with me, even though she's not on my real estate team, she's part of my coaching team for my real estate company. I mean, Sarah's been with me over 25 years. My broker, Shannon's been with the company over 27 years. My right hand's been with me 14 years. I couldn't do anything without Christine. I mean, she does like everything, right? Counter offers, listing agreements. I mean, she just handles everything. So it's building the right team of people around you. As you know, as you're rebuilding with this new company, you know, it all, it all comes with trial and error. Uh, if somebody goes out and they're going to start a real estate team and they hire that first person, if that first person doesn't work out, most people stop there. That didn't work, right? They need to go back in, right? They need to go back in and, and try again. So uh, the, the one thing about real estate, it's, you know, it's a people business. We just always have to be talking to people. And when you find good people, take care of them because, again, they'll take care of you. Some will leave and some won't, right? So I feel very blessed in my journey as a realtor and anything I can do to help people. I have an open book. Best way to reach me on email is natem at remax.net. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I have a couple of pages. Uh, we also have a, a, a page for, for the book as well. But uh, if I can it's help the, in any way. A, there's a Facebook page for the eight ways to dominate any real estate market. Mm-hmm. Well, and then yeah. Nate M at remax.net. That shows uh, how, that shows how long you've been in real estate, Nate. Because if you get the email Nate M, the, I'm sure there's lots <laughs> more to make it short. Nate M's that are my, part my son, of. 
My son took Nate Martinez at Remax.net, and he gets a lot, a lot of referrals out of that. <laughs> He's like, "No, I'm the, I am Nate Martinez. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the Nate." Well, Nate, the um, thanks for being my friend. You know, thanks for Thank being you, an adventure. Thank thanks you. for being a role model, and thanks for coming on here today. Um, you know, real estate rock stars. I hope you uh, reach out to Nate. I hope you read the book. Uh, so, Nate, thanks for coming on. Thank you, brother. I'm so honored. So impressive. Yeah. And real estate rock stars, thanks for listening. Bye now. All right, real estate rock stars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully, you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also, we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there so go give us a review also be sure to go to hybendigital.com if you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you so go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.